Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Where does one begin this so early in the morning? I know. We are another uh, opening, another show. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> Love it. Gonna sip a little bit of coffee. Uh, man, me too. It's the best part of waking up. <laughs> It's, it's always cold brew in your cup. It's cold brew in your cup. <laughs> uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning. <laughs> welcome back to Old Hollywood Realness. That's right. Welcome back. This is the podcast that celebrates all the glitz and or glamour of Tinseltown's golden era. All of it. I am Philip Estrada. I'm Kathleen Knoll. And we are tired <laughs> hey, i was like we're punch drunk on coffee and exhaustion yeah. but it's all good because we're here to talk about a super dope movie oh we are here to talk about one of the best actually we we tried to plan our whole summer around this one movie yes so we did you're um, welcome yeah so we have decided <laughs> that for the summer of 2018 we're bringing you shakespeare that's right, because we're cultured, y'all. Yeah, Real that's culture. right. We're going to bring a little culture to our <laughs> lives because, you know, I, I heard about Shakespeare and I was like, culture, let's do it. Yeah, fancy. <laughs> fancy. So this is the kicks off our sexy Shakespeare summer series. That's right. <laughs> to be and what better l- way to uh, do it with Shakespeare American style? Hell yeah, dog. <laughs> uh, so we're doing the movie Kiss Me, Kate. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. This is, this is um, from 1953. It's from MGM, and it's based on the um, the Shakespearean play Taming of the Shrew. Um, mm-hmm. It's a Cole Porter adaptation. Uh, this movie stars Catherine Grayson as Lily Vanessi, who plays the part of Catherine in the play. Howard Keel plays Fred Graham, um, whose character is Patrick. Um, <laughs> Petruchio. Petruchio. Uh, note how familiar I am with the Shakespearean characters. Um, Anne Miller plays Lois Lane, which I love the fact that her name is I know. Lois no relation, Lane. but we'll go with it. <laughs> Weird. Uh, she plays the character of Bianca. Uh, Keenan Wynn plays Lippy, the... Um, the um, the gangsta, uh, Bobby Van plays Jermio. The also the other or yeah, sorry, he's a um he's one of the characters in the play. Mm-hmm. Tommy Rawl plays Bill Calhoun, Lucentio. Um, James Whitmore plays Slug, the other um the other gangster. Kurt Kaznar Kez- plays Baptista. Bob Fosse, you may recognize that. Maybe name. I heard of him. Hortensio and um, Ron Randall plays the part of Cole Porter in this movie, which I thought was interesting. I was like, why? Don't I you thought just that was interesting Cole too. Cole Porter to play himself. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he had a weird voice. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe he had a weird squeaky voice. Maybe, Maybe it was like self-conscious. They wanted a you know someone, but I don't know. I, I'm yeah. We should oh, I should have no. researched that factoid. Yeah, that's okay. Oh, well. I'm sure he had. There was a reason. Maybe he was busy. <laughs> yeah, he was busy yeah. making songs, Make and stuff, making songs. Um, <laughs> so Kathleen, you suggested this film because I know you love this movie. Now tell me. Yes. Tell me your history with it. Tell me what it is that you love about this movie. Well, um, it's probably one of my earliest memories of like watching old movies. I I love this movie so much, and uh, and of course it it stars uh, as far as I'm concerned stars my idol Ann Miller. And to, to me, this I is like her. the tabba, tabba, her tabba. most oh, and this is her to me this is her most standout movie. I know we, we can easily say Easter Parade. She's very amazing in that as well. But like 
and, and on the town. But to me, Kiss Me Kate is where it's at. And I I actually really, really love Catherine Grayson in this movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, watching this and then like, because we did Anchors Away uh, last year. And then to watch this, like this to me is how I know Catherine Grayson. Yes. She's like, she is just so fully actualized and sassy and she's gorgeous. She is serving retro Barbie realness. Yes, she is a real she Barbie. Is. Oh my and God. may I say, I think she looks so beautiful as a blonde. She's got that short, almost like, Reminds you of like Madonna's hair and Papa Don't Preach. You know, oh, it's yes. like that kind of cut. But she looks, and to me, that is like the epitome of like, and she's the divorcee. And let mm-hmm. me tell you from my own personal experience, you you cut and bleach your hair after you, and you lose a lot of weight, usually after a horrific breakup. And she has that look. She's just like button up. She's platinum. She is an icy queen and she looks amazing. And <laughs> she is such an ice queen in this movie. Oh, she's such an ice queen, but she's so good. She's so, oh, I love her so much. But, uh, yeah, so I, I've just I've grown up with this movie. Um, upon watching it for the first time in a while for this um, podcast, I realized it's even in, in this political climate. And after seeing, I'm like, it, this movie's a little weird. It's yes. definitely a little problem problematic, um, you know. And I don't know if there should be a trigger warning on this movie, but Howard Keel does not have a mustache, and I know that can be upsetting for a lot of people. But he does get facial hair later. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. And uh, but if and I think that if you if for me it's like if you watch this movie and you did not know anything about these people, particularly Howard Keel, you'd be like, oh my god, what an asshole. But yeah. we all know like every everything we've ever read is that everybody loved working with this guy and he was a huge theater nerd, even though he had this giant big voice. Um, his voice is it's, it's so good. <laughs> but this movie is so over the top, and you know what? Uh, yeah, so it's just it's one of my favorite movies, and I loved knowing that like everything I've read was that everybody who worked on it truly enjoyed making it. There's all these great behind the scenes pictures of people hamming it up in their costumes, and uh, yeah, it's just got everything for me. It's a play within a play. You know, it's a story within a story. It's mm-hmm. got. You know, it's got Shakespeare, it's got 1950s, it's got tap dancing, it's got blue eyeshadow, it's got gangsters. <laughs> it's, I mean, you know, it's got dick jokes, it's got Cole Porter songs. It is Shakespeare American style, and I love it. I yes. love it. So. Oh, my God. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, as you know, yes, it, it is a musical, but mm-hmm. when you add tap shoes and blue eyeshadow, it becomes an Ann Miller musical. And yes, that is what raises the bar. Yes, so. it does. Anyway, oh, what's God. your experience with this movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually know this movie through you. You were you introduced oh. me to this movie um, back in back in our LA days. Back yeah, in the, back in the salad days of the early aughts. Mm-hmm. Um, we you had I think you had brought this to my attention, and I th- I can't rem- I honestly can't remember when the first time I watched it, but I did watch it around that time, and I just thought this movie is so funny and so yes. like just so charming and quirky <laughs> it's so good. and like and. <laughs> It legit makes you laugh, even though it's like 70 years old. It is fucking funny. Some of, the, weird. Just, some of it is just so weird. It's just like, what? And, but I also just love the there's like the production value of it. It's so interesting yes. as well. There's, I mean, oh, my God. So, um, yeah, there were some choices made in this movie, and I love all of them. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't – I wasn't my, – my, my experience with it doesn't go as far back as yours. You definitely have a beautiful, like – kind of like childhood memory of it which yeah, I yeah. adore and I just love it that we're able to do a movie where you're sort of exploring a childhood film that's problematic yes. and on so many oh, levels oh it's but... so many levels so many levels <laughs> but and um, it actually I'm like I think it says a lot about me yeah. and my life choices oh, to be right. honest well, we all survive <laughs> um, but I forgot failed to mention that so this movie was directed by George Sidney uh, the songs mm-hmm. in the movie were uh, by Cole Porter and the costumes mm-hmm. of this movie were done by the the unstoppable Mr. Walter Plunkett. Um, uh, that's right. I mean, Walter Plunkett is most famous for designing the costumes in Gone with the Wind, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, get, come, come on, get out of here. Yeah. So, and I probably, um, probably second to that would be like Singing in the Rain. Oh, yeah. But I mean, the oh, list right. is, yeah. goes on and on forever. I mean, on and on. <laughs> unstoppable. Unstoppable. Um, like, 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 a, you know, just like a wall of amazing iconic movies just throw a rock chances are it was one of his movies like i mean and like i was he did everything from king kong to forbidden planet like he could do all the period films little women the glass oh, yeah. slipper and he get your gun i mean like oh, the rain God, it's like yeah. it's yeah it's out of control out of control so he was i mean he was awesome and you know i had was reading somewhere too that he was not um he was not a studio costume designer. He was mm-hmm. actually just a freelancer. Well, yeah, because he, he worked 
he, yeah, because, well, it's interesting because, like, he was at RKO first. Like, that's sort of how, well, like so many other people we talk about, like, they started off as an extra. And then he ended up, like, sort of getting into wardrobe and, and it just sort of just sort of happened. But, um, but yeah, he was at RKO, I think, like, through, like, through like the mid thirties, but then he resigned and he just went freelance, which like is unheard of really. Mm -hmm. I mean, and he was successful and he, he did that until he retired in like the mid sixties. Nice. I just think that's incredible. Yeah. That's a, he's but so but awesome. um but I think what's so interesting too is that like like we were talking about like some of these early designers because they got in so early like when the studios were literally a barn um they mm -hmm. had a free reign in a sense to do whatever they want and that meant they could have uh, they could fuck up or they could build an empire and Walter Plunkett built an empire like he he built this vast and beautiful costume collection at RKO that actually became like an asset to the studio. So he he made money for the studio in more ways than one. So when he left, he you know, he left them with a wealth of of studio costumes that could then be loaned out or sold or anything like that. So um but but he uh but because he was given that free reign, he's he's up there with like Adrian and Travis Banton as far as people who were just able to do iconic looks. Just completely iconic looks that we we consider like old Hollywood, like so much old Hollywood. Oh, nice. That's so rad. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I love how like he's originally from California, but like in like the Bay area, but then, and he was studying law and like oh. a total, like in a fraternity and the whole thing. And then like caught the theater bug and was like, bye guys leave. And he went to like New York city and, and did like, uh, was like in the theater there. And that's sort of how he got into like first doing costuming. Nice. And then he went, then he came back. So it was interesting. He like, he he went to Hollywood through New York City, but he's originally from California. Yeah, but I like so, that he's like, I'm gonna be on the stage. Yeah, I'm gonna be on, exactly. <laughs> no, that's exactly like, and I'm reading this, and they're like, and he spent a lot of time in Greenwich Village. I'm like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. really, Queen? Yeah, <laughs> I know where this story's going. Yeah, <laughs> straight to Hollywood. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm gonna hang out with some beatniks. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I just, it was really fun reading about him and like, you know, uh, just, he sounds like, um, one of the things I, I thought was great was that he was, he was like a really well-liked person. He was known for having this very easygoing personality and he was really generous and he was also very like inventive and he had a lot of ingenuity for like creating a lot of things that again, like he really set a platform for film costume design in so many ways and and I also think it's really funny like he was sort of considered like the period costume designer oh really and mm. um yeah and you were, were sort of an authority on it and it's not that he had any like formal training or history degrees but he was it, like he was even saying that like um um, they like it, he just kind of was lucky that most of the directors were rarely like knowledgeable enough in history, so he mm. could like say what he needed to say and get shit done, you know. Oh, wow. Because nice. as we know, we've talked about this like even with like Marie Antoinette and Adrian, like they really didn't have costume references back right. then. They didn't yeah. have anything, so he was he was operating on a, a wing and a prayer and probably fashion plates and his own imagination. So if something wasn't period accurate, he could still kind of slide it on by yeah. by saying like, well, I, how, how can you question me? I'm the costume designer. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> hence lots of ruffles. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this movie is so interesting. I love the fact that it's, it's, it has the contemporary part of it and then mm -hmm. it has the period stage part of it. And the costumes on the period stage were um, just, uh, I mean, kooky enough like they were very they yeah. were they were kind of like medieval inspired but they are straight up kooky bananas oh like, so it's kooky so good um, you know what they kind of remind me of is like mary blair artwork for like the early disney like mm -hmm. the later like her artwork went on to do the, the small world ride and like sleeping beauty and stuff like that it's very much in that style that real yeah. graphic like graphic medieval <laughs> i guess the best way to put it but i love it i you know and if you think about it like I, I love it too because uh, you're seeing like theater costumes and then film costumes. So like yeah. the film costumes being their everyday clothes, but then when they change into their theater gear, everything looks so big and bold and you realize like every, cause everything's being built to be seen from a very long way away. But also this was a movie that was made in 3d actually it was made in 2d and 3d so they yeah, were filming right. in two there different formats that, there yeah. is that kind of thing and i do remember watching it when i watched it the first time no, I th oh you know what i think i did watch it on tcm first time because now uh -huh. i'm thinking about it because they had talked about when they do the intro on it they had talked about it was filmed in 3d yeah but they you know it i guess it was kind of a passing fad that ended up not being that big a deal so they ended mm -hmm. up just just um doing it in 2d um exhibiting it in 2d but they 
there's so many there's so many like really obvious cheesy kind of like (laughs) things being thrown at the camera yeah pretty much early 3d is just throwing shit at people (laughs) so goofy and you're like what is like it's it's really interesting it's it's really funny bob fossey barely falling off a ledge you know while he's dancing or like uh, ann miller uh, throwing her scarf or tommy raw i'm sorry Yeah, yeah that's right um, but yeah, the throwing the scarf and then like, yeah. I think even Howard Hill went through a point, like literally just kind of like lightly tosses a banana. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> so weird. Um, but it's oh, so Howard good. <laughs> Another thing about the costumes I wanted to kind of um, point to as well mm-hmm. is this movie was in 1953 and uh, Walter Plunkett had won um, a shared Academy Award for American in Paris in mm-hmm. 1951. So two years earlier, he had just done, and I think he was tasked, um, he was specifically tasked with doing that black and white party scene uh, yeah. in oh. American Paris. So it's yes. very much like reminiscent of the same thing. A lot of mm-hmm. like Harlequin diamonds and a lot of that sort of, especially the stage costumes were yeah. very much that sort of like carried through. And I yeah. loved the, and I do agree with you, like the Mary, the inspiration of the Mary Blair kind of like everything's sort of like flat and Mm -hmm. tones and stuff. There's um, all of the sort of um, the patterns and stuff like that made from like the pattern play on the garments are actually like pieced in paneling Mm -hmm. and those sort of things. Yeah. yeah, There's no, like there's, everything's like a flat color, but it's Mm -hmm. like pieced with other colors. It's it's so, yeah, there's no texture. Like it's it's very, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very beautiful. Cause also it's, it, he kind of Walter Plunkett really took into consideration that he's like I'm making stage clothes in mm-hmm. air quotes so he's like I have to, to it has to be seen from the back of the theater and that sort of thing so yeah. interesting because it all looks super duper technicolor and also mm-hmm. super duper crazy I mean but they're so like you can tell they're built looks. for movement because they move yes. and flow like a cartoon like it looks mm-hmm. very um, it reminds me of like an early Disney cartoon and again this is why you know this probably why this movie appealed to me so much as a kid like so much of of the other weird stuff that you watch as an adult you're like okay um, that goes completely over your head as a child because they're singing dancing and these bright costumes and a lot of bravado it it just it feels like you're watching like Beauty and the Beast or Sleeping Beauty you know like it's got this sort of classic Disney like cartoon feel in my mind in like a childhood mind but um it does it you know it it really does and the way everybody plays in there nothing's too uh like vulgar or absurd I mean probably the part like the worst part is when he like when Coward Keel uh spanks Catherine Grayson like that's probably the most (laughs) that's the worst of it but like even yeah. the whole like Tom, Dick and Harry, like just singing about dick jokes, like it goes right over. I'm telling you, like goes right over your head. But that's a uh, that that's, song. That song is hilarious. Man. I really. And that's, I, oh, God. Once God, again, I, Ann Miller tap dancing in flats because all of her cohort, all of the other dudes are shorter than her. I <laughs> love it. But when she because I had being that I seen this movie before. And once that song Tom, Dick or Harry started oh again, I just like giggled like so a schoolgirl because I just like I knew she was going. I had oh God. remembered that yeah, I she was going to say, I need a dick. I need a dick. I need a dick, dick, dick. And I'm like, oh my God. Make this stop. <laughs> I was just like laughing like oh muttly the entire time. I was like. <laughs> so good. And which, by the way, I know this sounds crazy, but that, so that costume she wears, that Bianca costume, I, since I was a kid, I was fascinated with that because um, she's got that skirt with uh, under the underskirt with the horizontal stripes. It's like mm, blue, but with the black yes. and white graphic stripe. And I was fascinated how she could spin and make these, these stripes just look like, you know, like a spiral when she would spin. Yeah. I'm like, I need this in my life. And it's just, it's so, but I love it again. Like just everything is built for movement. It like when she's standing perfectly still, it looks like this beautifully draped gown. And then as soon as she starts moving, it's legs, legs, Miller. <laughs> you just, I know. You know. <laughs> oh my God. So good. Oh, Which, uh, can we talk about her legs? Like she looks amazing in this movie. I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, that first costume she comes in and that hot, that hot pink uh, fuchsia beaded number. I'm like, this is the Ann Miller we yeah. know and love. <laughs> right? So just like, oh my god. Well, she's and like, that's... sorry about my leg. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I just feel like you know, much like the, you know how there's like that there's like a gif or sort of like a montage of Cher from the Cher show, like in all of her different costumes. Yeah, like, I have that. 
that I have that one bookmarked. Oh man! Okay, okay, okay good. This I'm like the I believe you may have seen yeah, where the she reveal. Like pulls the capes yes. off. <laughs> Someone needs to do one of Ann Miller in all of her movies where she has either ripped off her pants and to reveal her legs, or hoisted up her skirts to reveal like because this is what she does repeatedly in all of her movies. It's like anyway, excuse me, bling, or like like in Texas Carnival, she just rips them off and there's hot pants underneath, and I'm like, yes, this is the best. Ooh, so good <laughs> because it's always like normal situation she's like hold on i got this yoink <laughs> you know and just start singing and dancing at random oh like in too darn hot but oh, that's why this God. movie is so great like to me this this movie is made for our podcast because there are so many looks like just you can talk about each individual like it's not like there's a ton of characters but and probably mm-hmm. everybody has maybe two or three outfits but they stick in your mind so well and they're so beautiful and they move and they're so perfect for their character that it's just, know, to it's me, it's costume so design at its finest, you know? And I got, we have, we would be remiss to say, to tell, to talk about um, Howard Keel's transformation. Oh, oh, from, please. from Howard Keel to full drag <laughs> Howard Keel. <laughs> With his winged cat eyeliner. <laughs> Straight up. He puts his makeup on and he turns into Alyssa Edwards from Drag Race. <laughs> Which, like... can I just say, his his hairpiece, actually all the hairpieces in here look fantastic. Even I mean, in HD. It was... And I'm like, yeah. how come he? How come Howard Keel in 1953 can have a flawlessly good looking hairpiece? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, and makeup. And then we see like these billion dollar budget movies and they can't get it for shit today. Like, I mean... why is that? Because I, I feel know. like hair pieces to me are like, like that is, you could so, like when guys are, like when they do male wigs, they look it's so fake. But his weird. hair it's looks, weird look. he looks like your Renaissance fair dick swinging douchebag in that hair. It is <laughs> awesome. And that's exactly what you hear. You're thump, 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 thump. That's, that's his dick swinging around in that outfit. He's just, he's Howard Keel, man. He is just, he's awesome. Like hands on hips. Eyes to the sky. You're like tightest, tightest tights <laughs> like, you've oh ever seen in your life. <laughs> He's like these these tights really show off my package. Uh, these la package is on display a la David Bowie from Labyrinth. It is just yes. right there. I mean, He's like, do you like my creepy? Do you like my creepy um Van Dyke mustache? Yes. <laughs> Let me it's... pair it with this hoop earring. <laughs> like it is a single hoop earring. <laughs> so. Well, of course, because the hat goes on the other side. It's an asymmetrical look. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, Walter Plunkett. So I don't know what he so said to good. Howard Keel in order to make him wear those hats, but he um, those... he just had to ask, and then Howard Keel just squealed with glee and put it on. I mean, seriously, those hats must have been the inspiration for Hollywood Montrose and Mannequin because those things were out of control, out and of I was control. totally on board for him. I was like, <laughs> "What is this hat?" I mean, let's <laughs> like face it, weird, Petruchio like... had some looks, <laughs> like strong. <laughs> he was strong, coming in hot with that cape was... and that hat over one side Shante you stay <laughs> those little shoes boots booties Oof. Oh my goodness and he's like 6'4 yeah. but with that hat he's like 7 you know? oh my <laughs> god just, just oh my god drag <laughs> queen Howard Keel <laughs> Oh, good. Oh, he's so good. All he was was a tongue pop where he's just like, Oh, my gosh. You know, I know. Like, you, a fan? He, he needed a fan. A thwap. <laughs> <laughs> you just see him in the mirror doing those those faces like yes. Alyssa Edwards did. Where oh, my she, God. He's just like, Oh, I'm feeling it today. I'm feeling my oats today. <laughs> Could you imagine Howard Keel sitting in his living room or his uh, dressing room oh, yeah. doing his With makeup? And he's, like, and he's like, but how she is, though. How she is. Is she looking cute today? <laughs> okay, I'm going to hit that stage. <laughs> like, my pussy's on fire. <laughs> And you know what's all, and again, you know what's so great of. is that like is that everything we've read about Howard Keel is that he was just he was so like not not a scumbag. Like he was just he was a complete like dork, like theater nerd and just really Love fun it. to work I'm with. So like every yeah, everything I've read about like, you know, the anytime anyone they were like, Oh yeah, it's cool, like Howard's cool. And that's like Doris Day said this. Um Oh my gosh, her name escapes me. Seven Brides with Seven Brothers. Same thing. I'm reading her biography. Oh, yeah. Same thing with Catherine Grace. Like, there's just always. I mean, I haven't. Yeah, I've yet to really read anything. And he, but he, lo- and he looks like the epitome of what you would think is. And he's not. He's just. He's a complete dork. And I just love that. I love that he's just. He looks like really, really manly, and he sings very manly, and he has that kind of stern look. But he's a total theater queen. <laughs> Even with this big. When he got older, and he had that big silvery mustache. You oh know? my god! <laughs> big daddy just, mustache. Uh, 
God. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, R.I.P. Howard Keel. We love you. I know. We love you. <laughs> but uh, he was so... F- he was No, he's just... He's a treasure in this movie. I love when he does uh, Wunderbar. Like, that's one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> Wunderbar. <And> he, <laughs> Wunderbar. <laughs> so funny. And I love because Catherine Grayson really wasn't much of a dancer. And much like what they did with Jane Russell and Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, there's just a lot of, like, lifting her. Like, lifting yes. and putting her places, <laughs> you know, instead of actually, like, dancing. <laughs> like, yes. twirl, twirl. Lift and put you on the table. And then we'll kind of do this from here. And then twirl, twirl. It's like really hilarious, but um, so yeah, and I love that. Like, I didn't okay, and I guess this is one of those things. Like, you um, every t- even though I've watched this movie probably like it's got to be a solid hundred um mm-hmm. <laughs> like times, and like I just noticed that like in that scene he's wearing a robe that has FG in cursive like oh, printed yeah. all over it, yeah, and then he's got that FG like on his purple robe in the beginning, and he's just like oh he's, my god, he's such that... an actor douchebag, like he's so in love with himself, and it's just I know, so hilarious. But this, that purple, that purple oh, smoking jacket, that is, yeah. I mean, I'm like, hey Philip, he's got your, he's got your, he's got your smoking oh, jacket. It's like, and it's like got a <laughs> the pocket has the patch on it, mm-hmm. it's got the his the monogram, FG, it's all. I beaded it's all beaded and like sequin I'm like mm-hmm. <laughs> Walter Plunk is like hey I made this just for you <laughs> it made this just for you actually it's ma'am. from my closet I just put the FG on there <laughs> I made this for you ma'am <laughs> ma'am Mary Mary put, the, put this on you big old Mary get out there and sing Wunderbar oh my god you know they probably talk like that that's what that's what as far as like from more uh, the more I'm reading the more I'm real like realizing these people were filthy back in the day oh my god so good um this is really actually what I thought was kind of funny about this movie is that Catherine Grayson and Howard Keel actually um were in Showboat together in 1951 mm-hmm. and then Keel reunited with um Tommy Rawl from this movie the next in 1954 the next year for Seven Brides for Seven Brothers because mm-hmm. when I first watched it I was like why or where do I know I Tommy Rawl well, from he's good looking uh, first of all you're like where do I know that face but then he that dance good looking yeah he was much better he was actually he kind of grew into himself he was better looking at Seven Brides for Seven Brothers personally yeah Maybe because he was less of a scumbag and he was also paired with um with the beautifully tall Julie Newmar oh uh, well <laughs> so. right yeah not so bad I'm like well can't be too mad at that yeah no well yeah bill's definitely kind of a scumbag in this movie but i uh you know his character i don't know the characters are so great like i just love i love they kind of and they grow so they like all of them kind of grow throughout the story you know even his character Mm -hmm. like they all kind of like he gets a little less scummy people get a little less (laughs) terrible toward the end you know (laughs) But that's that's all we can really hope for in this world, I you mean, know. Really, yeah. Friends become enemies. Enemies can become friends. Yeah. <laughs> and let's face it, guys. Sometimes in this world, all you have are Cole Porter songs and dick jokes, and they—that's <laughs> what'll get you through the day. I'm actually really happy that um, I've been like promoting this on social media and everyone's like super excited. They're like, this is my favorite movie. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. And the music is great. And and, like um, I've really enjoyed like even doing this as I I sent you the thing on the uh, BBC proms recently did a performance of Kiss Me Kate, like the full musical. Mm. Highly recommend some precious gem on YouTube uploaded the whole thing. And it is fantastic and I'm gonna uh, have to watch that. Uh, but this uh, like this because there's songs actually for a movie adaptation of a musical they did use quite a few songs like from the original score but there are a couple that are left out that are just you know I love like another opening another show is one of my favorite songs but like it's it's such a great great um great story in a musical and uh and then I was reading too um that this was Kiss Me Kate was actually inspired by a real theater couple that were on the oh, outs yeah. and performing at, like in the 30s performing Taming of the Shrew and this guy who had witnessed it was it. just like yeah this is uh, our imitating life and they and he <laughs> partnered with Cole Porter and they ended up making this musical about these two you know pretty big time actors kind of going through the same thing and I think that's so hilarious because that's it we've often read you know these people who do play these leads together and they're supposed to be so in love just fucking hate each other or they're on the outs or whatever (laughs) um so it's just hilarious to like to see that all played out in Kiss Me Kate and who who better to do it than like Howard Keel and Catherine Grayson who just they're like they're so good at hamming it up and being what they need to be and they they both come up uh, come off with these just these actors with these huge egos you know and this whole like we were poor now we're big oh my god but then she and she but she slaps it right back like she's She's a princess too and they love each other they love each other for it it's like they bask in their own egos you know and that is so true of we've all 
probably met people, especially anyone who's done theater, who just, you know, these people, they love the sound of everything they do ever. And, and when they meet somebody <laughs> else of their match, it's like, it, it can be lightning, but it can be like, it's like fire and ice, you know? And, know. and that, that is this couple. I love that. And yeah, I love it too. And, um, you well, know. It reminds me of that story of, uh, what was it? Someone, someone was telling a story, some actress was telling a story of meeting, of meeting uh, Marlena Dietrich. And they went. They went backstage. She went backstage, and Marlena Dietrich was like, "I have my a copy of my record to, of it of my record. Do you want to hear it?" And they're like, "Sure, we'll listen to your record." And Marlena Dietrich, Marlena Dietrich puts it on, and all it is is applause. All it is is what? <laughs> all it is is applause. Oh. <laughs> it's just. It's just oh, the uh, idea yeah. of someone being like, I'm so good at what I do. All the, all they can record at the applause. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, and I feel like Howard Keel is just, it's like he's he's like that actor who's just so far up their own asshole. Like they just can't, they yes. see out their mouth, you know, and it's and it's all spotlight. And it's just crazy. Like in his, like in his apartment, he has a giant painting of him as Hamlet. Oh, my God. Like, it's it's so, good. so good. I mean, that and that apartment, oh, it's so funny. And I think I was reading somewhere that that set was uh, also used in... Um, was it on the town? I think. Oh yeah. No, no, it was another movie we had seen. Um, anyway, but it was used in another movie that we had we had we had recorded, and now I'm anyway I'm drawing a blank. But that set had been used in another movie, and you can kind of see I the, mean, they the do similarity. The they time, do all the time, you know? and it does yeah. have that quintessential like very like snazzy fifties kind of like you know mid century modern kind of look to it, you know. Love, love it. To oh which uh, Ann Miller takes it over when she tap dances oh all over the motherfucking furniture, all over it. Her tap dance, I that's one I of my just, favorite numbers. Is a too darn hot. It number. is. It's it's it is the best. And she and is she does so her good. Fan work. <laughs> she does her fan work. Uh, let me tell like... you, uh, this movie was watching this as a small child. This is what inspired me to do fan work. I learned how to. I learned how to use a fan. A folding fan from this? No, 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 no. I learned how to curtsy from Ann Miller. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's good to hoist your skirt and show all that much leg when you curtsy, but I did learn. I did learn. So, you know. I just love the idea of you as a child being Crap, crap. So that's how you work a fan. Back and forth and over and, yeah, face, face. Yeah. Face, face, fan, face. I can I can definitely tell you when I, I started taking tap dancing around age like nine going on 10. And I remember I was just too young to get heels. And I wanted heels so bad, but I, I had to get like like the Shirley Temple style tap shoes. And I just couldn't wait to get on heels. And like a year later, I was like, am I ready? Ready? And thankfully, my feet just grew to giant boats. I needed to get them anyway. But <laughs> I, I could not wait to start tapping on heels. And even when I do tap now, like most people tap with the flats. And that's fine, you know, but I no, no, I just I, like, had, I it had pump. to be it was Ann Miller pump or nothing, nothing. <laughs> It just, yeah, but like, she, I'm telling you, inspiration, inspiration. You're like, I'm an adult woman. I'm getting the heel. Yeah. But like, remember, this is inspiration. Remember, no internet, no internet children. Okay. Like, no internet, barely any cable. This is B. Houston, 1984. So you've got to work with what you got. And I had hot pink that. sequins and a full fan. So, because <laughs> okay. she's too darn hot. Well, I did not personally, but in my mind, because oh. Ann Miller. But uh, yeah, this movie is just. It is full fantasy. Like it is total um, full fantasy. Even so the good. even those scenes where like where she comes in and I realize the other thing I want to have a gif of or sort of a montage of is um, all the different scenes where Ann Miller is tap dancing and there's guys either playing instruments or behind her because if you instead of watching her watch the guys watch her that is also delightful because they are all <laughs> smiles and you could just tell they're like oh my god this is so exciting like they all have the or it's like hey you know like they're all just like smiling and watching her and yeah. you know as as people in the background and i just that to me is like also magic to watch as well my f uh, my favorite thing about ann miller is, is that she always looks like she's having a blast a like blast. she looks like she's having an absolute it's just like every yeah. moment on camera is an absolute joy and, and even even when they kind of like stage her as like a bitch like she was supposed to be like the bad one in easter parade like i could not i i you don't you don't hate her she's hard to hate yeah. 
like and as a, she's always like that girl in movies too who's like tries to be other women's friends she's not really like a rival per se even in this mm-hmm. movie it's like they try to make her but she just she just doesn't come across that way and um she's just more of a hustler she's just she's oh, yeah. you know trying to get hers and trying to hustle and trying to survive but she's she's not a like even though like they, they imply that she's kind of loose she doesn't come off as skanky she doesn't come off not as somebody you have Honestly, to like watch though, out for her I love that. you know bitch crazy you know <laughs> Yeah. I do love that she's supposed to be kind of like a bit of a gold digger in this yeah. movie. And they even have a whole number about her being a gold digger. But she's just like, you're just like, you know what? You get yours, Anne. Yeah, <laughs> like, but also, kinda, you know what? You're on her side uh, about it. Like, yeah, but what's one of the first scenes? You trying to you get money from that girl making money so you can pay off your gambling debt. So you got no problem mm-hmm. with what she's doing when you need money to pay for, off of your, for your scandalous shit. But otherwise, yeah. it's like, oh, you know, she's that's bad. Like, yeah, but even with her, with the way she delivers it, though, you're just like, no, I'm, I'm on, I'm on Anne's side. You yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there's no, yeah. like, there's no shame in your game. No, no, not at all. Get it, girl. Get it. Yeah. Always oh true God. to you. Looking at a sailor, darling in my way. <laughs> oh my goodness! Did yes. you want me to quickly go through the story on this one? Luckily, sure. the story is actually fairly simple, it is, so it's yeah. going to be a fast one. Yeah. So uh, this is basic. So as we were saying, this movie is a musical within a movie, which is an adaptation of a play, a Trey Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. Um, he loved his meta storylines. He did. Um, so f- so Fred Graham, played by Howard Keel, is mounting and directing a new musical called "Kiss Me, Kate," written by Cole Porter, who's per- um, portrayed by Ron Randell in this. Um, um, stage v- film version. Um, it's based on Taming of the Shrew. Uh, Fred has chosen his longtime leading lady and ex-wife Lily Vanessi, played by Catherine Grayson, to be his co-star. Um, uh, the character Catherine. So Catherine's playing Catherine, FYI. So that's not going to be confusing at all. <laughs> yeah. So Fred and <laughs> once for the C, once so, for the K. Meh. <laughs> basically. Um, so Fred and Lily's divorce is an epically bitter one. Um, but Fred thinks that he can win her over, um, win Lily over by singing a love song together. They perform so in love, and all seems <laughs> to be going well until his new girlfriend Lois Lane, played by Ann Miller, shows up in her work clothes. Oh. Hey, that's W E R K. <laughs> All <Work>. capital. Just <laughs> yes, studded in, in lots of hot pink bugle beads. With a, with a fan thwapping <laughs> background. She's like, I'm going to come in and tap dance for my life. <laughs> for um, your life. <laughs> That's exactly what she did. <laughs> basically. So she's been promised the role of Bianca and performs a suggestive number called Too Darn Hot um, to the annoyance of Lily. Uh, Lily is uh, steamed with the situation, takes the role um, of Catherine to spite both Fred and Lois. Um, fast forward to opening night, Lily and Fred are prepping for their debut when they begin and reminiscing about the time they were in an alpine-esque musical and they perform and song the song together wunderbar <laughs> um they share a kiss and they seem to be falling back in love um lois has her own issues because her side piece bill calhoun played by tommy raw who is also in the show as licentio um has come to the theater late from gambling where he signed an iou in fred's name uh, they perform Why Can't You Behave on the Roof of the Theater, which was so cute. So oh cute. I mean, we'll Side note, I often serenade Mike with that whenever, anytime he's down more than 40 bucks on the slots. I'm like, why can't you behave? He's like, it's $40. I'm like, ah, you know. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my goodness. Um, so just <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain there. <laughs> uh so just before heading on stage, a bouquet um, gets delivered to Lily. That was meant for Lois. The flowers were the same flowers used in Lily's bouquet for her um, from her wedding to Fred, but she didn't read the card right away. She put it in her bra next to her heart. Um, so the show <laughs> opens with a few musical numbers, and Fred serenades Lily with a heartfelt song. She's so moved that she finally reads the card and realizes who the flowers were intended for. Enraged, she attacks um, Fred on stage, which pushes him to the point where he puts Lily over her knee and spanks her in front of the entire audience. <laughs> um, backstage, Lily calls her fiance Tex Calloway, played by Willard Parker, to come and pick her up since she's quitting the show. And in Fred's dressing room, he's greeted by two thugs, Lippy, played by Keenan Wynn, and Slug, played by James Whitmore. Uh, they have come to collect the, on the IOU that was written... <laughs> 
to their to their mob boss. Fred convinces them that he needs their help to keep Lily on stage in order to pay back the debt. Uh, they muscle in, and Lily returns to the stage under duress. Uh, the thugs join in the cast um, in costume in order to keep Lily from running off. Um, so Tex arrives, and Fred assures him that Lily is fine as only being an overdramatic actress. <laughs> um and Lois recognizes Tex from a previous date, much to Bill's dismay. She assures him that she loves him, but she can't stay. Um, but she can't say no to a generous man. I mean, who can? <laughs> I mean, well, let's be honest. <laughs> I see a Rolex, and I just get moist. Look, um, uh, she's scrapping and surviving. <laughs> that is a working actress, and we all know. We talked about this back in the day. It's like she even says, "She's like, look, you know." The guy's gonna give me a watch. I'm gonna say okay, or something like that. <laughs> gonna give me a side of flank steak. Put it in the freezer for later. Uh, so Fred tries to convince Lily that she belongs in the theater and expresses that he still loves her. And Lily w- leaves eventually with some hesitation. So Slug and Lippy end up calling um, to check in on their boss, only to find out that he's been bumped off. And without a boss, the IOU is dissolved, and the thugs leave with an exit song, uh, which is one of my favorites. Uh, love uh, these brush. guys. Anyway. Yeah, Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> Little soft shoe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the final scene of the play commences with Bianca marrying Lucentio. The end of the play has a hiccup when Lily's understudy doesn't come on stage, only to have Lily rush on stage <laughs> to deliver the final speech. Uh, Fred and Lily are reunited as a as a lovely couple. The end. And then for some reason they sort of have a grease moment where they fly off into the um into the sky. <laughs> it's very strange. 3D, y'all. Yep. MGM was a dying star at this point and they were looking mm-hmm. to do anything. Thankfully this yep. was a big hit, but yeah, they were uh looking to throw anything on the wall yeah. to see what stuck. I had read that it was actually a fairly big hit, but they still managed to lose money. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it was pretty, I mean, well, even just reading about, like, they had to, because they were shooting with different cameras for, like, the 2D mm-hmm. and 3D, they had to reshoot things in different formats, they had to do the sets differently for the different shots, I mean, I can only imagine just, it must have cost a fortune, even in that time, to make this, you know, even for MGM, this this was big. Yeah, I mean... Good Lord. But um, I just was when you were giving that um, recap, I also I, I forgot to say how fucked up is it that he gives Lois flowers that happens to be the wedding bouquet um, Ma, okay, you know like what? that fucked. I was like, that fucked up. That is fucked. You up. know what? I know. I'm not. I'm not dismissing his behavior, but the only thing I could say is, is that it's called a signature move, and he's lazy. <laughs> oh, 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 scumbag. <laughs> I mean, that's probably yeah. the bouquet he sent to every single woman before and after oh, Lily Vanessi. Burn. <laughs> so but I mean, yeah, because like I see what you're saying. Like that's just him not being creative. He's not. Yeah, oh. he's just like. He's just like roses and violets go. Like I don't. Oh, yeah, sure, whatever. He's but like, like yeah, yeah, and not yeah, just yeah. not even thinking that that would fuck with her. Like to me, I'm like that is so fucked up. <laughs> that's like when you buy. That's when you buy the same necklace, the same three necklaces, and you give them one to your wife, one to your yes, one to your mistress, yeah. and one to your other mistress. Uh, you know, yes. it's just like just to make it easy. Right, buy women schmimmin. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> women be shopping. <laughs> women be loving jewelry. <laughs> women be loving jewelries. <laughs> Oh um, man, yeah that that and then like the gangsters. Oh, they looked and I love God. their looks. Like I love how like they were both. Both of them had amazing like gangster suits, and then when they changed a bit to be like the pages for <laughs> for <laughs> Catherine Grayson with the <laughs> wig snatching going on. Oh and my the, God. But everything's too sloppy. Too and big sloppy, and weird. but like, like the wigs on backwards, it. and they're <laughs> but they're like so I'm good. feeling it. Like in the mirror, they're like, mm, look at me. <laughs> I'm pretty. So good. <laughs> I love, actually, really love the gangster parts because, like, they were so their their interactions between each other was really funny. Yeah. And like, and then even at one point, I think one of the um the Keenan Win like Lippy, he even had um he even had like brass knuckles. Yeah. At one point. <laughs> and he like, takes them out to move it. She's like, ah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it was like practicing with them. It's it was so, so good. Funny. Oh my god! I, I, and then they're known. I, I well, I was say I love that they're they're such that epitome of like they never really had to do anything violent or extreme, but just that whole like oh no whoa 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 no 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 you won't do that yeah. you know like, yeah they're just ew. being like menacing which yeah. is so good <laughs> so good um but I um apparent I had read somewhere that they're um. 
that the brush up your Shakespeare number that apparently they never um, that they didn't like um, rehearsing it. Mm. Oh, really? And so because they thought it was a stupid number. So when they did do it on state, when they did finally do it for the recording that the the director was like, that looks great. I loved how you ad-libbed everything. And they're just like, sure. <laughs> they're just like, we didn't. Dude, like, and that's what just... makes it so funny is that they're so blasé about it, you know? And uh, I remember my dad, because this was one of those, like, this is one of his movies that I, he probably put on for us as kids. And I just remember he loved that scene. Like, he that always made him laugh. Like, because it is, it's two, like, dudes trying to sing and dance they're kind of over it and it like it comes across so funny like it's very real mm-hmm. and i i love it i'm so glad that's one of those things people you know like you go like is it important like was this kind of shoehorned in i don't care i love that scene yeah. and i love how like howard keel watches so them and he like claps for him in the end and laughs it's like like he looks like he's genuinely entertained by them you know like yeah like really smiling and being entertained but that makes sense My that favorite. it was like a they they didn't really think they were really they were they weren't really uh they were kind of just they're fucking like, off. Not, yeah, basically. Yeah. They're just like, we're gangsters. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we don't dance. No, 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 no. Yeah, we, don't we, we don't dance. <laughs> we don't dance. We don't We um, don't sing neither. No, no. Um, what I do love is, is that there's sort of like this. There's so many backstage scenes that are happening during the play yes. where I'm just like, how long are these intermissions? I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just what is happening Because as far as we know, this play goes on for like nine hours. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We like two two-hour intermissions for drama. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, Kathleen, I need to know, and I need to know now, what is your favorite look from this film? <laughs> it's so hard. It's so Gun hard to, your to head. say. <laughs> uh, I guess, it, you know, it's got to be Ann Miller and the Too Darn Hot number. I mean, f- please. Uh, yeah. But that, yes, that being please. said, I also, I love the way, like, like Lily Vanessi, when she first walks in and she's in what is borderline an S&M outfit, like, it's just that black, and her body looks amazing, she looks like a Barbie, in that all black 1950s suit with the black leather gloves, oh, yeah. and the platinum hair, with the tiny hat, with the weird feather, I just, it is, it is perfection. So she is know. almost unre- they, they, unrecognizable. I mean, whoever, who is whoever did well, one, she's um, uh, almost unrecognizable from Anchors Away. Like, yes, she looks yeah. so young and fresh faced. So and now she's like, in this movie, she's very like, she has been mature. through some shit. She looks amazing. She is mature. And she, no, she looks amazing. Oh, I love then her. Then when that they blonde. transform her for stage, she looks like uh, it's, uh, this it's would have been different. really hard for if I was a child, this would have been really hard for me to follow along it who was. is who because Howard Keel looks so different on stage and so does. Catherine Grayson on stage. I'm just like, are these new people? I have face blindness. Right. Well, and, and, and their on? wigs and hair pieces look so damn good. I mean, they so, look but really so good. much different. So if different. they had kept her in like a blonde mm-hmm. wig, I would have. It just it would it probably wouldn't have worked. No. But it just for me, I'm just like, wait, they look so different. It is it's completely transforming. Shocking. I know, and and it's it is very shocking. But I I love it. Yes. I think that's so great. Is something again to watch that as a kid of like, oh, people change into costumes and change back. Like it is that sort of yeah. like it's just a costume um but and then also of course in my tiny mind i want to make that costume i want to do this forever and ever (laughs) (laughs) and you're like and i also want to wear blue eyeshadow Uh, up to my eyebrows eyebrows with my tap shoes (laughs) (laughs) just there's nothing better than um it's uh, both of them are wearing that shocking blue but again it's like that very graphic they look like like it's and i remember watching that it's like yes this is theater makeup too meant to be seen from 800 feet away Mm -hmm. and it and we've seen like as we've seen some theater makeup it does it looks very jarring up close you know but from far away it's like a it's a look you know so (laughs) it is a (laughs) look look. um but uh, yeah i I don't yeah it's hard it's really hard because i feel like because i love this movie so much i i love every single uh, there's really it's hard to say i have a favorite because i also really love ann miller's navy blue dress with the white scallops that and the oh tiny white God, gloves that she so wears beautiful. because one it is just it, it is it, it she is so beautiful in it but two i it's so floaty and and gorgeous how she's and she's ever like effortlessly pick it up when she does that curtsy and when she's dancing yeah. it is it is i love such that a great the petticoat she wears with it too yes. is all scalloped it's all well. scalloped and you know that that thing must have been made out of something that was very thin and like a super thin um like lighter than air kind of crinoline because it everything is so light she doesn't have it's just 
like there's no like multiple petticoats underneath it's just that and it floats and it dances around her so beautifully and again like all these costumes were just they were built for movement they were built for dancers and um and it's it's i i love that i love the blend of like the historical theatrical with with the dance um yeah, yeah but do you have a favorite <laughs> do i have a favorite I, right oh, my I god i mean there's uh first of all Every single hat that oh. Howard Keels wears on stage, you could just <laughs> go Keels ahead hats. and give that a special, <laughs> no. like give that a you know special recognition. Dude, and the um, cape, like that side cape he puts on. Shit. I love. I actually really loved his um his like second. Well, he has a couple of looks. Mm-hmm. He has the one look that he comes in where he's sort of the narrator, which is all Harlequin red and yes. When all three of them kind of come on, it's like Harlequin red uh-huh. with like the the black and oh, white. Oh, we open in Venice. Cape, yeah. which looks so good. Yeah, super They're good. Like, and playing card jokers it's so cute i love it and then there's the his look where he comes in and he does the um why um uh what is it the number he says um well why why that well oh, yeah. in padua he has that number which is really cool but then there's the, the one the wedding the, the wedding, wedding look one that he wears where it's all like it's like this weird like vertical stripe like multicolor pink and pastels yeah. and then it has all these like strips of fabric off of one side that make no sense, no sense. and has like a cape and like a weird sort of like Scaparelli-esque shoe hat. It, it, it's <laughs> like, fantastic. It's art. He is just so wearing amazing. art. He looks so like a cartoon, like a Mary Blair yeah. drawing and he's, and he's so, because Howard Keel is so big and tall, he just, it's so like a drag good. queen. Like He just, he is yeah. built to wear those big, bold, and they just... Again, you know, Walter Plunkett just used it up. He's like, yeah. I am doing I all love the that. things I on love you. that look so much. So and then he ended up like taking off parts of it and he was just down to like his kind of like his shoes, yeah. if you will, and his black pants. And then he's like rocking the chest hair. Yeah. And he's just like, okay. okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he, um, and then he sings this song about the, um, the life, I, the life, mm-hmm. what is it? I life I've led. Are, the life I've led. Yeah. Oh, where is the where, life that I yeah. led? Man, so good. So good. And he's just like out there feeling himself with I his know. Like big old voice. <laughs> like, Hands on his hips, singing out. Sing, singing sing out, out, Louise. So <laughs> <laughs> There's so many good looks. So many um, good looks. I know. But also, I love the dressing gowns too. Like him, like uh, both her, him and then well, her yellow one. Would they do like again? Her yellow one. Just both of them, and and they just look again like these actors while they're like in like in their dressing, you know, like mid costume change. Like I just love how it's like that. That to me is such a a theater actor thing to have a dressing gown, you know? And it, I even <laughs> love that he, I love that he has that moment with his, with his personal, his, his personal mm-hmm. butler where he's like in the mirror. He's like, he's like checking his, like his, his, like, um, he's it, checking his hairline and he's like, He's like, is it getting further back? And the, and the guy's like, I think he's like, I think we're keeping it at bay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what? another thing too is um, apparently because I, I noticed when watching the musical, both um, Lily and Fred have their own like personal like butlers or maids who are mm-hmm. way bigger players in the story and carry the story in the musical. And those those oh, yeah, really? and they were sort of written out like I believe hers her, and, and she's not a French maid. She's actually both characters are black, so like. She has her mate and she sings like she sings another opening, another show like she has like actual things that she does keep like and they and her and um, and Fred's butler. They move the story forward. In fact, his name escapes me, but his butler, he is the one who does the too darn hot number in the musical. So they are oh, they are yeah. much bigger players in um, sort of not just moving the story forward, but building these two, like keeping these two characters going because they even make it very clear without those without those side assistants, they are nothing without them like that. Yeah. That is. And we've seen that I time and that. time again, like these big actors. We've even talked about this on the seven year itch. Like nobody's doing this by themselves. It, everybody right. has either a right hand man or right hand people who have to keep these these icons these brands going these big actors or whatever and sometimes <laughs> it's really just as simple as having one person who's your personal assistant but you you would be a hot yeah. mess without them and and yeah. uh, that is you see that a lot more in the musical but i think they did a good job with it anyway and i don't it, i'm not mad at mm-hmm. that with this movie but, um, I really it's interesting they actually just did Kiss Me Kate here in Seattle uh, actually at the Fifth Avenue Theater I didn't get to, I didn't see it it was like a limited run I don't know uh, if they're trying to bring it back or something like that but it was it looked it looked interesting that would have like, been oh, fun this is such good t- such good timing because yeah. I knew we kind of had this on deck for a little we, bit but we, that, yeah. it, that was a few like a couple months ago but um, uh, what was it also I because there's a 
any this sidebar, but no, um, so um, Julian's auction house is mounting another um, auction, and it's from one Mister Bob Mackie. Oh, it's yeah. the Bob Mackie collection, and so when I saw that they announced that, I went back to I was just like, oh yeah, I forgot about the well, forgot about, but I was like, oh, I should probably check the Debbie Reynolds um, catalog oh, yeah. to see if she had anything from Kiss Me Kate, and she did actually. Um, she ended up having. Let's see. I'm holding it right now. Okay. Thank you for this so reference, she, by the way. That's awesome. <laughs> so she had um, she had the the Bianca gown from the second half of the play. Oh so wow! The, um, basically, the finale look that um, Ann Miller mm-hmm. wears the with the vertical green and purple yes. um, piece paneling, and then she also had um, the full costume that Catherine Grayson wears in the oh wears in the opening number. Oh so my god! Those were the two big costumes that she had from Kiss Me Kate. So um, cool. Yeah. And it's it's crazy she, to think that a lot of this stuff has gone to the ages. Like those those who are missing are I probably mean, gone, yeah, gone. Like Howard well, Kills dress, like you know, yeah, dressing could gown be gone. Or, like, yeah, yeah, it could be those could be gone. I don't know. You know, it's just there's never you never know where they are. Anymore. Or he, he, like, just, just, he pulled a Tony Curtis and just pulled up <laughs> pulled up to the studio <laughs> and filled his car with his Kiss Me Kate outfits. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> see oh you Walter God. thanks Jesus. a lot <laughs> it's like I can't wait to host a pool party wearing this <laughs> me and oh Carrie Grant goodness. are gonna have so much fun <laughs> 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 oh my goodness oh man um, was there any other looks in this movie that we wanted to talk about I mean there's it's such it, a this movie is, is adorable it is adorable, I mean, adorable and, and like movie. I said there's so many looks everything from you know Lily Vanessi or, or you know these the costumes on stage to the gangsters you know with their suits Bill Calhoun with his like kind of you know slimy scumbag like gambler kind of looking look that he's got when he comes in and I mean just everything everything is so um, it, it is so inspirational and I love it so much and a small side note uh back in the day when we lived in LA um I I wanted to tell you that I don't know if I ever told you this but right after uh I finished school I was working at the California Mart and um like at that, you know, with with my aunt at a trend reporting place, right? Yeah, yeah. And they, so the California Mart is, it's this big building where there's like showrooms and there's also conference rooms there. And you could rent the co- conference rooms out if you were having like these big meetings or shows or whatever. And uh, we used to do that for the company I worked for. We used to hold these like uh, annually. We would, sh- we would hold these big um, conferences for all the clients to come and talk about trends and hoo-ha. And I remember one, <laughs> yeah. And I remember one time we ended up, uh, getting a room that was on one of the one of the floors like kind of more higher up that that wasn't used as much and I remember even going in there there was like w- real wood paneling everywhere I felt like it was in some weird retro room like it had sliding doors so you could kind of um, like it was a giant conference room that you could also break up into smaller rooms if you were doing like seminars or whatever you know that kind of huh. stuff like you see at a hotel yeah well uh, you know because I was a young peon you know Devil Wars Prada kind of job so I was of course sent in there first thing in the morning to make sure the place was like clean and got the coffee and everything like set up and uh, I remember uh, going to do that and in this room and I'm looking along the walls and there were at least three or four original Walter Plunkett costume illustrations from different oh, movies. Wow. I want to say one was from The Glass Slipper. There, the, I don't think there was one from like Gone with the Wind or anything like but they were original and they were just randomly up there and they were in frames huh. like up in the California Mart. And I don't know wow. if they're still there because again, this 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 is now bordering on almost twenty years ago. But I just remember yeah. even at the time being like, "Holy shit! Why are these here? Why are these here? Why are like why are they just sitting here like like nobody even like I remember even thinking like the people who come into this room and do this stuff every day probably just think this is some like less. yeah they could care less. <laughs> they, to them, this is just so, like a, a you know like art you would see on a wall in a bathroom like or a hotel like it was generic to that but i'm looking at this like i'm like almost like like getting flop sweats like why is this here (laughs) you know what i mean and i was so confused like even at even young then and i was just like why and then of course in my mind i'm like should i steal it but then i know that would have been a terrible idea plus they were like you could tell they had probably been mounted this whole room just screamed like early 19 like like probably like 70s like California 70s so everything was wood and you could tell it had they had been sort of like pressed into some like 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 it was a wood frame that had been like built into the wall it was very weird so it wouldn't have been an easy snatch Hmm. and grab but you know but I would have you know like I would have I would have (laughs) Indiana Jones that shit just so I could bring it back years later and throw it in a museum because I was just like why the fuck is this here 
anyway but so it was strange. really really strange but they were i remember immediately looking at them and i knew right away even then in my nerdy little 21 year old mind i was like those are walter plunkett drawings because one thing we haven't shared is that walter plunkett did amazing amazing illustrations and they were very yeah, and distinctive yeah, and I wanted to mention actually because we um they in the very in the beginning of the sh- movie they actually even show the yes. costume illustrations because there's references to the costume yes. she's gonna wear, <laughs> and I'm just like a shout out to Walter Plunkett. Oh, I know, I love. I, I, that's why this movie is so great. Like they actually do. It's like one of his his actual designs for Catherine is like brought in and like shown, and they're like, see, this is what you're gonna wear when you sing "I Hate Men." <laughs> she gives like that death stare, and it's so good. <laughs> but she's like, mm, I like this outfit. It's very nice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which to me, I don't know about you, and again, maybe it's just because of watching this, but as somebody, you know, I love history and Shakespeare and go to Ren fairs and all that and, and theater. And um, to me, that dress that she wears when she does the I hate men, like the, the Katarina dress, the red, the red one, oh, to so me, that is, the, yeah. that is the quintessential Catherine dress. Like to me, it's like you're going to portray the, the angry, willful woman. You put her in red and it's bold, mm-hmm. and, but it's still really beautiful and it's kind of sexy. And she's got this big flowing skirt and these big sleeves and she could swing that fucking cup around. And like, it's just, <laughs> but like to me, like that is, that is like so like iconic. That is just like an iconic uh, costume like design when you're trying to portray that particular character. Is like you put him in red, that cliche red of like angry, angry woman red. (laughs) Like before, like because it's that whole thing of like before they even open their mouth, you know, this is the person who's mad, who's angry, you know, or passionate or whatever. So, yeah. But um, I, I well shout out to the director seriously. for using the, using the costume design, uh, costume illustrations as props. Is I know I, I, I seriously love it, love it. But I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess that's it for now. But uh. we just I love this movie so much. If people could please like check it out. Um, also check out the BBC Proms uh, performance because um, it's it's also I think it gives you sort of a deeper understanding to. Um, the the story itself and they actually set it in like where it's originally set because a lot of people they've done kiss me kate over the years where they almost kind of put it in modern settings so it's like people today Mm -hmm. trying to do it but this one they really set it in like baltimore 1958 a sweaty hot summer and everybody's in these beautiful like soft colored 1940s costumes when they're not oh it's amazing and then yes it's it's wonderful and then the costumes that they do when they're performing uh, kiss me kate are very graphic almost walter plunkett like but but a little bit more less of a 50 silhouette and more of a an accurate like like a renaissance tudor era like elizabethan silhouette mm, like to yeah. to like shakespeare but what i love is right. that again very dancey the way they did it where uh, and, and again it reminds me so much of, of the movie where um they did these skirts and there are these beautifully like cartridge pleated skirts and it looks like there's an apron over the front but it's actually split the skirt is split underneath the apron so when they go to spin it's all open when it's Ooh. really really cool philip you've got to check it out it is amazing awesome. so i'm gonna have to check yeah. it out <laughs> um well that's this is awesome so keep in just based if you if you have experience with this film we'd yes, love to hear from you i do. mean it seems like everyone really loves this that loves this movie so we'd love to hear everyone's memories well, about it, this movie it's too. an american so treasure on social media <laughs> that's yeah. why i was like what better for fourth um, of july coming up uh, wait we mm-hmm. thought this would this would be a first we wanted to kind of start our summer series with a bang and we knew it would be with fourth of july and i can't think of a more american movie than kiss me kate (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness um yeah but also to guess what (laughs) so we um remember when you had asked questions about the handkerchief and the women holding handkerchiefs so we did hear back from a friend over on social media (gasps) um miss kitty cobain hit us up you can follow her over on Instagram at Kitty Cobain, K-I-T-I-K-O-B-A-I-N. Um, she sent us an, um, an article from handkerchiefheroes.com. And basically, I can kind of quickly read through you. So basically... In the 1930s, there was the Depression, so the handkerchief was pretty much the only new item a woman could actually afford to enhance her wardrobe. So a woman would change her outfit by changing her hanky. So during uh, continuing on through World War II, the hanky played a role in fashion in addition to eschewing silk stockings. So our troops could have parachutes, women would forego the pleasure of a new hat or a blouse and instead opt for a wardrobe of handkerchiefs, most costing between 5 cents to 50 cents. 
Everywhere you looked, hankies could be seen peeking from breast pockets or draped over a belt as a fashion accessory. So manufacturers like um, Bermel and Kimball advertised a handkerchief of the month in Vogue magazine. And um, and then the article continues to talk about how the the color fastness of dyes was perfected in this era. So it allowed the the handkerchiefs to become more more Mm. vibrant and printed and have all kinds of things happening on them. So they became more decorative. Um, And then... Uh, let's see. So several years after the war, once fashion began to revive, um, brands such as Balmain, Dior, and Rojas, um, <laughs> and other designers utilized handkerchiefs as the final touch in their haute couture. Hankies were tied to the wrist, threaded through the top buttonhole of a suit, or popped from the side pocket of a handbag. So basically, this is saying that you, you seeing the women in those dancing scenes where they'd have a handkerchief on the hand mm-hmm. in their hand is sort of a reference to the fact that they're trying to dress up there. It was sort of, they just always had a handkerchief with them because it was sort of a fashion accessory yeah. that kept the outfit looking fresh. Huh? That totally makes sense. So, That's really cool. Well, so thank you so mystery much. Solved. That's awesome. Yeah. Big shout out to Kitty Cobain. Seriously. She's so fun. I like uh, she's always she's always the first to shout us out on it, on social media. So, thank you so yes, much. Yes, thank you. Um and Speaking of social media, you can hit us up over on Instagram at Old Hollywood Realness, OHR Podcast on Twitter, Old Hollywood Realness on Facebook. You can email us if you want to get in touch. We'd love to hear from you, oldhollywoodrealness at gmail.com. Um, huge thanks to Hal Lublin for his vocal talents at the opening of the podcast. Thank you for to Kathleen for being my co-host. Oh my god! Thank you, Philip, for being my co-host and my best friend. And thank, <laughs> yeah, thank you to all of our fans. Um, we'll see you then in the next couple of weeks for our next oh, installment of our sexy Shakespeare summer Seriously. series. Seriously, yeah. Um, and in the meantime, uh, thanks for listening to Old Hollywood Realness. Bye.